1: Coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and around the world, it's time for The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio. Now, here's your host, Bill Alexander.
0: Hi, everybody. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill and welcome to the Bill Alexander Show on this wonderful day, no matter where you are, when you're watching or when you're listening to the program. Thank you very much for joining us. It is a a treat for me today because as a kid, I grew up watching this program. And I hate saying that because you guys know that I'm in my mid-50s. But the woman that we're talking to was my first crush as a kid. Her name is Carolyn Ellis, and she was Joy on the Bugaloos. That was a Sid and Marty Croft Saturday morning TV program. Carolyn, how are you doing today?
1: Well, I'm fine, and thank you for inviting me
0: on your program. I am so grateful that you're able to join me today because I have so many questions about this program, about your career. And working with Sid Marty Croft, I mean, you were probably one of the best people to talk to because you were dressed up in basically a, you want to call it a fairy costume, a bug costume, whatever it was. And you were with three other guys and you were working with, um, with what, Billy Barty and uh, uh, Martha Ray. Martha Ray. And again, I mean, Martha Ray was iconic, especially at that time in the United States, because this was the early 70s, correct? That's right.
1: Yeah. No, she was. She was magic. Uh, I mean, everybody was was terrific. Everybody was great. Uh, Sid and Marty Croft really looked after us right from the moment that we we uh, got the the position, the job, basically. That was in, in London. And they really laid it on. We traveled everywhere, well from London to Los Angeles, first class. In those days, there were no direct flights. We had to go via New York, BOAC, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, British Overseas Airways Corporation, I think it stood for. Um, And we were looked after right right from the beginning. So they were terrific. They were wonderful. Uh, no complaints there at all. They really looked after us. We had um, uh, a ch- sort of chaperone. She was our private secretary because we weren't exactly toddlers. Uh, by law, we had to be over 18 years of age. And okay, okay some, some of us look younger. Uh, when, I looked at, when I see some of the photos of me, I look about 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and, and little John, well, little, he was. Um, but we're all, and Wayne, Wayne was actually younger than I was, but by law, we had to be over 18. Um, so I was thinking, I was thinking yesterday with Jack Wilde, for instance, he was younger than we were, and he went over, obviously, to do puff and stuff. I don't know whether he was 18 by then or, or a bit younger, but the law did change and has changed over the years, but no, fantastic experience. Martha Ray was, <laughs> she was great, as you can imagine. Uh, we had some lovely times with her, working with her, but also personal times. She took us to see the Bob Hope show. So, oh, okay. we, yeah, so we met Bob Hope and she invited us to dinner at her house and uh, she, she was great. But that wasn't just with us, that was everyone. She was a very generous, outgoing
0: person. So I I was going through looking for information about the casting for the Bugaloo's, And why were they casting in? Why were they looking for for, uh, people from Britain to do the program? Because I thought that was very unique to have four Brits play Bugs on a TV program in the United States.
1: Well, yes, apart from the cost, I would think it would have cost them a lot more money. Uh, but I think it was uh, because of the success of, of Jack Wilde um, being okay. British. And even now, but especially then, especially then, the, the Americans love the British accent. You probably still do. Or a lot of Americans still do. And uh, so I think it was a combination of, of, uh, of those things. Obviously, there were groups we had to sing. As you know, we were sort of like um, it was a TV program with we we singing bugs. But so they were thinking of the huge successes of, of the time of people like the monkeys, the Beatles, all those sort of things. They were all Brits. I mean, there were American fantastic singers and groups around. But I think it was mainly because of puff and stuff. A British Jack Wild. Let's see if we can sort of repeat that, that um, uh, chemistry with using English people to attract the American
0: youngsters. Which, which I find interesting. So, when you found out about this casting call, did they explain to you what the idea was at the time, or did, were they just looking for people they could sing?
1: No. Um, well, I, I was already in the business. I had been in the business from when I was, well, just young, really. I'd gone to state school and got my first theatre job when I was 12. Um, and this was a, it was, in, it was in all the newspapers. And there was one particular British newspaper that really obviously had the exclusive of it. In the end, they just, every day, something about it. American producers coming to look for four youngsters to whisk them off to Hollywood, uh, to do a TV series, who could sing, dance, everything, all rounders, basically. So uh, it had been in the newspapers um, and it was an open audition. Well, normally when we had auditions, we had an appointment, we would go along our agents or people would uh, make appointments for us, but not in this case, it was just in the newspaper. So when a friend of mine said, oh, I'm going to go along and, and see, because it was at the EMI uh, offices in, in London. And I said, nah, it's just a publicity stunt. They know who they're going to have. They've already got it sorted out. Um, so anyway, she dragged me along. I didn't really want to go at first. Uh, she dragged me along. And um, I know a lot of my, my friends, fans have heard this before. But when we got to the AMI office, I mean, there were just so many people, youngsters queuing outside. I just thought, forget it. I'll turn around and go back in my little green mini and go back home with my friend. She said, uh-huh. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I had a green mini then. Uh, she said, no, 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 come, come on. Let's go along and give it a try. I have to say they were getting through people fairly quickly. Uh, you know, they were seeing them, taking their names. They were going through approximately 12 at a time to go into the room where they were auditioning very, very briefly. Um, I know when I went in, I went in with, with 11 or 12 others and each person had to stand up, give their name, their age and just sing something. No music, no, nothing like that. Just sing part of a song. Not the whole song, but just part of it, so that it wouldn't go on for too long. Um, and that's how they got through people so quickly. But this went on for days. It wasn't just an hour or five hours. It went on for days and days. Uh, they saw, apparently they saw 4,000 youngsters, which I can believe. But, of course, youngsters came from all over the United Kingdom, and... Um, Actors and actresses, professionals didn't actually have appointments. They just had to do join in like the rest of us and join in, join in the queue. And that's apparently what Wayne and Little John and Big John did uh, as well. Big John was already in London. He was already part of the music crowd, if you like. He knew a lot of the, the music groups already. Little John was living um, in Kent and uh, he was a drummer. He was a drummer before. um, But uh, he just came up on the train apparently from from his home to to give it a try. Wayne was already in the business, although I didn't know Wayne at the time. He was with another, he'd been at a different stage school and was with another agent. Um, So he had gone along like me. But I almost didn't go in. I almost said, this is this is terrible. I just said, this is terrible. so unprofessional <laughs> who's going to come along and, and do this but anyway you know I think you probably know the rest of what happened
0: <laughs> well, what I think is interesting is this program has had such staying power in the psyche of Americans from that generation especially especially boys and it only had 17 episodes I know what do you what do you think the reason is why this show still has this following
1: well, of I Americans think it, that love it. Yeah, I think it's because it's almost timeless. When you listen to the music, obviously, that, that was an important part of it. But when you look at the, the setting and the whole, the whole idea of it, it was uh, in a setting that could be at any time in 100 years' time or 100 years past, if you know what I mean. It was about insects in a right. forest, and that is always forever, uh, if you like, from since time begun, almost. Uh, and I think for for youngsters, it it just grabbed their imagination and took them away from the normal world. And I think that's why, And of course, the, the set was just magical. I have to say that completely blew my mind when I first saw it and I walked onto the set. I just thought, wow, this is terrific! What an imagination they have, um, and I think that's what did it. The music obviously was crucial because when you listen to to the music, again, it could have been from the sixties, the eighties, from today. You know, it, it could be from right. any time. So I think the whole chemistry, the whole combination of all these all these factors put together. Um, has made it a, a timeless piece, it, it's, it's timeless. I mean, I know I showed it to my daughter when she was younger, she's now got a, a, a little boy and she's shown it to him, my grandson. And so many of the, the fans that write to me or contact me say the same, I'm now showing it to my grandchildren uh, and they all love it. They, it just takes them away from, it takes them into, into magic land i think that's what it is
0: so when they gave you the whole premise of the program after you got the part were were you kind of concerned about singing bugs and working with <laughs> an, an evil an evil woman who didn't have a voice who couldn't really sing but thought she was the greatest thing and then keep going through that whole idea going this is really odd <laughs>
1: No, funny enough, I didn't think that because I've done some old things in the past <laughs> in this <laughs> business. You never quite know what's expected, you know, that that you're going to appear in. Um. So, so no, not really. It was it was my job, of course. It was work. So you throw yourself into it to the best of your ability, and. Um, we didn't see the scripts or anything like that at the audition. We had been later on after the second or third callback or something like that, a little bit had, had been explained to us and shown us, uh, shown us some cartoon type characters of what it would be like. And uh, I said, oh, that's really great. That's a really good idea. But what, when it really sunk in was when we got to the studios in Los Angeles, That's when it really, really hit me because it was in a huge, big stage uh, at Paramount uh, Studios and virtually the whole of the stage was Tranquility Forest. I mean, we'd had fittings for the costumes, we'd had had meetings with the songwriters, um, you know, be meeting people, the people that would be involved in the production of it. But when I saw that set, that really really that blew my mind yes then i thought oh my god is this where i'm going to be working now how wonderful how fantastic
0: yeah because Sid and marty croft when you think about the programs they did with the bugaloos you said hr puff and stuff they did lidsville and um some other ones they they were really pushing the envelope when it came to ideas and again it stirred kids imagination and unfortunately i don't think we see that in today's television especially children's television
1: i agree with you i mean the imagination sid and marty croft are completely different people uh marty is the businessman but um sid is the one with the ideas and he comes up with these incredible ideas and then uh Marty is the one that puts the business side of it all together if Marty thinks it's it's worthwhile obviously <laughs> so Sid is the one with with the ideas. He's the one that is a creative one of the two brothers. Marty, I don't think he's very creative, only when it comes to the dollars (laughs) and the business side of it. Sorry, Marty. Um, But no, I mean, it's a well-known fact. So the combination of the two characters, Sid and Marty Croft, worked very, very well together, as we all know. But it was Sid's imagination that brought this all, all to life. Uh, Excuse me. Um, So, so yeah. I mean, Sid, even Sid's house in in Los Angeles is completely like living in in a different kind of tranquility forest. Okay, but it's all greenery. It's all plants. It's it's like a, a log cabin in a forest. That's what it looks like. Okay, it's not a log log cabin in a forest, but that is the whole the whole feel of it um so so yeah it just worked very very well they obviously had the, the 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 right recipe uh for for this successful these successful shows because all their shows were successful as far as i know
0: right and two years ago in 2020 was the 50th anniversary that's of right the <laughs> yes. and i i and I do, when I look when I look up things, and again, I have, I, I knew the bugaloos inside and out from when I was a kid, but I did not realize that in the early 2000s, that in the United States, it actually was aired on TV again on a network we have called TV land. Did you notice a new interest in the program in the early 2000s from kids of kids who were watching it? Um, well,
1: I actually didn't know that. I know that very often it's always being repeated somewhere uh, in America on different channels because, uh, well, I think it's probably been on most of the channels. I do get, I do get um, people writing to me saying that their grandchildren have just seen it for the first time and, and whatever. But, but no, I didn't. I, did, I mean, I get people writing to me wanting to to converse with me on my Facebook page. Uh-huh. Every, every single day, there's new people. A lot of them, I have to turn away uh, because there's only so many. And some of them, uh, I'm not even sure that they've even seen the program. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's uh, they may have seen me in something else. That's different than, yes, obviously, right. I'll, I'll accept their friendship. But I probably right, you're wrongly, turn away more people than people I accept because there's no point in just being friends with somebody who doesn't right. know what you've done or, or whatever. So I get, I get new people wanting to friend me every single day. Uh, so it's a job to keep up with it all sometimes. But sometimes, yes, there seems to be uh, an influx of people more than others. So then I had to change the settings Uh, so that I wasn't getting so many because it it was just ridiculous. I was, you know, I, I don't like to turn people away and I don't want to be rude, but you have to draw a line somewhere.
0: I was, uh, looking at a few things and, um, on Google, they have a review page of the program. And there are people that have made comments about the Buggaloos. Uh-huh. Really interesting to read these. There's one right here. It says, oh, I so love the Buggaloos. I'm a special education teacher. And I show the bugaloos to my kids each year, trying to teach them all the wonderful characteristics of these wonderful insects. The Buggaloos, oh. my students love you all. And I am so pleased to know that all the bugaloos except for Martha Ray, are still with us today. And when you show up on the Internet and they get goosebumps. So, again, people are still using the program not just as an entertainment, but also as a learning tool, because the messages that each program had were something to teach kids about how to deal with life and how to deal with other people. Yes.
1: Yes. I mean, that's lovely to, to hear that from you. Uh, I haven't seen that, and it it really gets to you, doesn't it, when you read read information. I've had lots of, I've had quite a few people that have written to me saying that we saved their life, because at the time, you know, they were having a hard time with parents, whatever, they were just having mental uh, problems, and that if it hadn't been for the bugaloos, uh, they may not even have been around today. So those, those sort of um, comments and, and what can I say? You know, even, it, it's just so, it, it just is so wonderful. It's just so lovely. Uh, it really is. And of course, even not only in the words that were spoken in, in the show, in the series, about doing good and, and even the environment to, to a point, which of course now, everybody is talking about but also when you listen to the words of the songs they all have a message but it's not a message oh my god this is boring you know i don't need to be told uh i must do this no it's it's just messages to help people to understand um, and especially youngsters that sometimes have a lot of complications in their lives. Right. So no, it's it's lovely. I hadn't I hadn't heard that letter um, or or read that letter. And I'm sure, you know, well, oh, it, it really <laughs> it astounds me, absolutely astounds me even today, uh, that uh, people remember it so far, they remember things about it more than I do
0: right
1: and i'm thinking oh my god
0: <laughs> so whenever the program was introduced to the united states i mean you must have done one heck of a a whirlwind press tour because you were also in the macy's thanksgiving day parade that's right
1: <laughs> in, um we, in
0: the bugaloo it, buggy which to me is the most awesome car in the world uh, fantastic
1: yeah a fantastic <laughs> car that was by george what's his name um George, oh, I can't think of his surname, uh, but that that car w- was used also, apart from the Macy Parade, it was also uh, used in uh, the Seven Flags, I think it was, Parade, in uh, somewhere else in the state. Yeah, we did a whirlwind, whirlwind tour, and it was a great way to see America. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure it was, and the, uh, so, and the gentleman that designed it, his name was George Barris.
1: George Barris, thank you. I was thinking Charis, but Barris, yeah, yes. fantastic. Yes, he designed a lot of, a lot of uh,
0: uh, cars for various programs, didn't he? Very well known yes. for that. But um, again, looking at it, did you ever get to drive the car? That was my one question I wanted to ask. Uh,
1: I must have done. I must have done. Uh, Because we all thought it was great. (laughs) Uh, I must have done. Yeah, but of course, not on the road, because technically it was illegal. (laughs) (laughs) But only around the lodge, you know, at at Paramount.
0: Okay, so since I have you here, and how big was the set that you were able to drive the car on the set?
1: Well, the actual, it was more, we drove the car more, you you may have seen one or two photographs of us in the car doing publicity shots at Capitol Records or uh, outside the Capitol uh, building. But a lot of the the publicity shots were done actually in Paramount outside of the studio. Okay. Um, Yes, it could go in the studio, but you couldn't really drive it inside. Right. Uh, because of all the, the lighting and the cameras and, uh, and everything else. And the set itself of Tranquility Forest and Martha Ray's uh, jukebox, obviously it wasn't really big enough to actually drive the car. You could have it running, but you couldn't actually drive the car around the set. Because on the actual set, you may not have known this, but there were trampolines in Tranquility Forest. There were trampolines, little ones, scattered about, so that we could run and jump off a trampoline. <laughs> it looked
0: like you were flying. Yes,
1: uh, taking off or whatever. Yes. No, you can imagine the fun that we yeah, have.
0: I... <laughs> Yes, oh, I can oh, now. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't realize that. So you mentioned earlier that you've been basically working in the industry since you were very young. Did you say it was six years older around that age?
1: Uh, well, I went to I went to a theatrical school when I was seven, but okay. not, not for the drama I went, really, because I'd been doing ballet. Um, I'd been to a convent before that, which I hated. Uh, but I was doing my exams, even at that young age, and getting through with honours and all the rest of it. And they were stopping teaching ballet, and it was only, I think, one hour a week. So my parents decided to send me to a school where I could... Uh, progress in my ballet and dancing and uh, somebody recommended this school that was about half an hour away the nearest theatrical school where they did dance drama education the whole works and uh, you could start there from when you were seven up until you were then I think 16, school leaving age, and then become a student and continue with your studies there for another couple of years, which is basically what I did. So I went there for the dancing, for the ballet. But when I was, I don't know about nine or 10, um, I I had a a fall and I hurt my knee. So bang went my ballet career because I was hoping to go to the Royal Ballet. So that was out of the question. I I damaged my knee and, So, but anyways, I was getting older because of all the other things we were doing at this school. uh, I had become more interested in other types of dancing, modern jazz. I loved tap dancing. And uh, we had singing classes, drama classes. And half the day was doing all that, the arts, basically. And the other half was education. Well, I say education. I don't think any of us ever had any education. But anyway... Uh, so it was a great school, and then when I was 12, by at that time you could only work in the in the theatre when you were 12 years old or more, and then you could only work for so many hours and so many so many days of the year. So um, the school was well known for doing the Palladium, the London Palladium uh, pantomimes every year. They always used the children from from the Ada Foster School, and uh, I was eleven, but my birthday was in October, and the they were opening. If I remember, I can't remember, but it must have been November or something like that for the for the pantomime. So I was, I just came in. I was just old enough to be able to work uh, there. So my first, my very first job was in the theatre uh, at the London Palladium as an Ada Foster. Babe, as we were called. Okay. Uh, There were a few of us. uh, Sometimes they had a couple of boys, mainly girls, and we would be appearing in the show in different scenarios. Uh, There were lots of English famous people every year in these pantomimes, big names. Uh, That year, you probably won't have heard of him, but there was a big singer called Frankie Vaughan, and he was like in the hit parade of the time. This is. back in, that would have been 62, something like that. He was a huge star in England. Um, and he was the, but there were other people in it, Mike and Bernie Winters, Dick, Dick Emery, Jimmy Ed, all sorts of famous people in it. So that was my first taste of being in the theatre. And I loved it. I loved hearing the audience um, React and laugh and clap. It was just such a, a high, if you like, to get that reaction from them. And of course, being a child at that age, you'd hear them go, oh, as if to say, oh, look, isn't she sweet? Oh, <laughs> aren't they lovely? And you think, you know, so you have to be careful with your ego. But that was my first taste of the theatre when I was 12. And then uh, that was for six months. I think the Palladium Pantomime always last for six months. Because then later on, many years later, I was there again for another pantomime um, or a Christmas show, I should say. But anyway, after that, I was lucky because very soon after that, I auditioned for one of the Von Trapp children in the Sound of Music in the London production. And I got a part in that. So my career started off in the theatre and over the years I've always love doing the theater and in many ways i prefer it to anything else that's what i used to always say but of course you know it's good to to do television uh theater and everything It's different different sort of techniques if you like right Um, so so yes i was in the sound of music for that a lot of harmonies a lot of singing uh i played louisa uh in there and uh, again it was such a fantastic experience completely different to the palladium because there you know you were speaking you were singing you actually had a uh you were playing a character in the show um and it just went on from there i've just been so lucky it just went on from there
0: so when you look at your career and you go back through it because um for us in the states we really only know you for the Bugaloos, but you've done a lot. You were in a TV program that were called the—is uh, it the Free Wheelers? That, yeah. from what I read, was a live-action version of what we would refer to as the Scooby-Doo gang, basically solving crimes. And then you were in the um, the Cut Price. Comedy show. comedy show yeah again
1: that was, look, that looked was very interesting
0: different. as a variety program
1: yes that was that the idea of that um was it's supposed to be a takeoff if you like of the old musical shows okay from way way back so they did different sketches a bit of musical singing we had a band there in the orchestra pit Again, we had a live audience, but a studio once, because that was for television. And uh, terrible jokes, the worst <laughs> jokes could possibly think of. And the script was so bad. I mean, I'm not kidding. The script was so bad. Um, the people I was working with, uh, Lenny, Lenny Windsor was a comedian, successful comedian at the time. I was working with another actor called Royce Mills, who later on I worked with uh, again, uh, and um, one or two other people, but the script was so bad, we just thought we can't we can't do this we can't say this it's just so awful. Uh, so we tried to improve on it, but we were working on a very very tight schedule. We were we were doing I, th- I can't remember about four four shows a week or something like that. Um, and every scene was different. It was a 25 minute or half an hour TV program. And it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> is, I mean, is I'm there? The, I'm the first to admit it. I did get work from it, though. Other people had seen me in it and then asked me, but oh, my God, it was it was pretty awful.
0: <laughs> is <laughs> there is there any uh, video um, that survived that program?
1: yes. In my cardboard box in the store. <laughs> <kids room. laughs>
0: Will you ever release but no, it? No,
1: you're not going to see any
0: of it. <laughs> um, and then a movie you were in called uh, Confessions from a Holiday Camp.
1: Mm, yes, that's right. Uh, which uh, l-
0: looked like a teenage was... film to me that would have been um, compared to the sort of- States. We, we had meatballs and stuff like that. So that's what that looks like to me. I've not seen it. I've been trying to get a copy well, of it for the last couple of weeks.
1: <laughs> it was, no, it's, it, it, at the time, there, there was a whole series of these films, Confici- Confessions of a Window Cleaner, Confessions of This, Confessions of That. Uh, and they were hugely successful, hugely popular. And again, you had a lot of well-known faces in them, but it was not a musical. It was just a, a comedy a comedy right. film for the cinema. And they just uh, kept on churning them out and churning them out. And uh, Robin Asquith, uh, uh, an actor called Robin Asquith, he was the main character in it. And then uh, he would be one for always chatting up the girls and doing silly things and, and whatever. So... It's not—it's not a a film I'm proud of to be in, (laughs) put it that way. But at the time, uh, the director for that particular one, the director was a a very well-respected film director. He worked a lot in Hollywood, called Val Guest.
0: Okay.
1: I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's—I've heard of him. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's not around anymore. But he was a director, and, of course, my agent said, well, you'll be working with Val Guest. You know, he'd, he'd often cast people from, from my school, from my, uh, where I'd studied, in different films, um, and I'd auditioned for him many, many years before uh, and uh, with a lot of other people. I didn't get, get the part. But anyway, so she said, well, I guess is a director, you really, you know, you really should get this. But it was very risque. It was a bit naughty. Um, and I was playing a character called Glad, uh, which has a double Glad. Uh, 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 and I played it with a Birmingham accent, I think, if I remember. <laughs> and with another girl, um... We almost became a double act. They were actually talking of us giving us giving us our own our own program together, and uh, she was playing a character with pigtails and a blacked out tooth and and all the rest of it and freckles, and I was the more attractive one, if you like. Um, which of course this main character, um, who was always chatting up the birds, was was going for sort of thing. But it, you know it. it it was a series of films that were hugely successful. You look at them now and you think, oh, how could all of them be successful? Um, but anyway, you know, at the time, uh, that's how it was. It's it's the same American humour, American films. You sort of have fashions, don't you, really? Yes. In, in different types of uh, films. At the moment in films, it's all Batman and Spider-Man and... You know all these all these sort of comic comic uh, characters, right? Uh, and so for the last few years they've been hugely successful, and probably in ten years' time there'll be something else. So uh, you know times change and fashions change as well in the industry. Um,
0: the one, close, movie, the yeah. one movie that I'm familiar with that he directed was uh, the '67 film Casino Royale that uh, starred Peter Sellers. And Ursula Andress in it,
1: um, uh-huh. and David
0: Niven. So he's Lovely. and Woody Allen, and you can go through the whole list because again, he was he was a, a, a very well known actor, and I can understand why you'd want to be associated with him. Um, yeah, and that's why you agreed to do the film. Yes. So other work that you have done um, so far, I just gave you two. That you're not really proud to be associated with. What <laughs> are you proud to be associated with, other than the Buggaloos?
1: Uh Right. Well, I suppose no. I mean, obviously, I've done I've done television. That I'm I'm happy with what I've done in my part of it, but not necessarily. I mean, the most successful, the most successful, and it wasn't a big part, was a TV series. And today, it, I've just seen it's been voted. The most, the the best, or the most successful, uh, or best liked, or something like that, TV series ever, ever on British TV, uh, which is quite a quite a, a title to have. It's won millions of awards, uh, and it's called Only Fools and Horses. And that's I've seen the that. TV yes, yes, yeah. it's very British humour. Um, and that's been, that was running for, for, for youngs, I don't know, 30 years, something like that. Um, hugely funny, very, very funny. The scripts were excellent. The performers were excellent. So, um, when I, when I was asked to appear in that, my agent phoned me up. I, nobody knew anything about it then. It was in the very, very beginning. It was I don't think it was even on telly then, hadn't even started. So it was in the first series, um, and, uh, and my agent just said, well, you've got with the BBC, you've got a, a telly to do in Only Fools and Horses, which didn't mean anything, and the, the people in the show didn't mean anything. Uh, so I said, okay, uh, and off we went. So uh, I did, none of us knew at the time. It was going to be so hugely popular and so hugely successful. But even now, which is now 40 years later, it's still being played. That program is just nonstop, nonstop. It's been sold all over the world, both, you know, all all the outlets, everything you can think of, even on airplanes and flights and, and all the rest of it. It's always on somewhere. So every now and then I still even now get a check through the post occasionally for royalty <laughs> from it, which is always very nice. But it it is a wonderful show. It is extremely it is just excellent, excellently written, excellently performed, excellent. Everything about
0: it is just is just fantastic. Because I I read about that and I was trying to watch it here, but unfortunately the BBC has it blocked. And we're not able uh-huh. to see it right now. And I'm kicking myself trying to find it wherever I can. Because uh-huh. from what I've read, it is, it's supposed to be amazing. So eventually I'll get to see it. I know I will.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can, you can buy the, the CDs. You can buy the, the tapes of it in Amazon and places like that, or directly from the BBC. Um, I think you can buy it in Amazon. As you say, BBC, keep hold of, of everything, very tightly. Uh, they're not. They're not idiots, uh, I suppose. <laughs> but I think you can get. You can get it. But there's so many series. I don't know how many series there are now. Uh, but um, this was the very, very first series. And then, and on the uh, the box set, um, the first program was Big Brother. Then it was. Uh, was it Go West, Young Man? And then it was those first... They used to sell them in threes, on CDs or VH or, or whatever. I can't remember. But, uh, but yeah, so that... Uh, I'm very proud to have been in that programme. Um, even though it wasn't a major part, it was, it, it was... I'm very, very proud to have appeared in that. Um, so, yeah, I did do... Another thing I'm very proud of as well was i filmed it with our guest i actually got a phone call funny enough in television because i'd worked with him on uh in this film and um my agent phoned me up and said uh, oh uh can you go to poland tomorrow i was in london i said poland uh and i said yes because she knew obviously what my schedule was and what i was doing so uh, as an actor, actress, you always have your passport ready. You always have to keep it ready just in case you get a phone call to go go somewhere the next day. So I flew off to Poland the next day, and it was to do a Sherlock Holmes for Guest. Um, so that was, that was interesting um, because at the time, that was in the 80s, I think it was, I can't remember, but anyway... Poland was like a, a different planet. You know, I had to have somebody go with me everywhere for my own protection. Not that anybody would have done anything, but um, it, it was fascinating. Uh, so on my time off, I was shown around the old town in Warsaw and things like that. So that was great. So, yeah, that was the Sherlock Holmes for uh, worldwide productions, I think it was. But... Um, so I haven't seen it what anywhere. Was, what was the snow. reason
0: for sh- shooting it in Poland, though? Cheaper. Oh, than, okay.
1: Cheaper than doing it in, in in England because it must. I mean, the whole of the the studio was on a studio set to make it look like the old streets of that time with the carriages and the horses and the costume fitting. I had. Uh, I think I had to go the same day for a costume fitting because it was obviously all for the period of, of that time. Uh, so that was that was interesting. Um and then went out there, um, given the script. Uh sorry I had no script up until then, so given the script, had to quickly learn that obviously. Um but the the series, I'm 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 pretty proud of that. I think that was uh that was a good job. And that is thanks to, to our guest as well. So I worked with him a couple of times. Um, I think he discovered Gene Simmons. Oh, really? I think so. Gene Simmons went to the same school, but before before me. I remember she came once when I was a student to say hello and whatever. Uh-huh. But, of course, she was a, a very, very big Hollywood star. Uh, so I think think he he gave her her first opportunity in the business as well I think so
0: I think so and you were also on an episode and the, the title of this program to me just intrigues me the many <laughs> wives of Patrick
1: yes that was a that was a comedy series um way back and about this gentleman who had obviously many wives and, <laughs> yes. and, and many children. <laughs> and so every week it was uh, another another story of uh, what was going on in his life. And I played the, the girlfriend of one of his sons. Um, That's going back a long, long time. I can't even remember the name of the character I played or whatever. But, uh, but yes, The Many Wives of Patrick. That was with a, an actor called Patrick Cargill who, again, at that time was hugely successful. The, the TV series was very, very successful, very uh-huh. funny uh, again, yeah.
0: So I heard rumors, and I do not know if these are true, but I will ask you, did they plan to do a Bugaloo movie? Yes, they did. That
1: was, uh, we were all waiting to be told uh, that would be stunned. That was for Columbia Pictures back in 19... 19- 71, that would have been, because we were doing the TV series in 1970. Uh, It was released, I think, in, I think it came on the screen in September of 1970, because we were there for the, for obviously a long time to do the series. Um, And uh, that was the whole idea, that after Christmas in the new year, start preparing, or February, something like that, Start preparing to do the film because they had done a film of Puff and Star. Yes. Uh, and so now because of the Bagaloos, they wanted to, to do a follow-up with the film, which had, had been planned and, and agreed apparently. But but sadly, Colombia had financial problems. And they started getting into, I don't know what what sort of problems and eventually as we all know they collapsed so the film was never made so we had gone back to to the UK uh to see the family we hadn't been back in England for a long time to go back and see the family and uh, and everything so we were waiting to to be told okay you can come back out now and uh we'll start on the movie but it never happened which is a great
0: shame. A great, great shame. So in twenty seventeen, they tried to reboot the program and they recasted they- it. And but unfortunately it never went anywhere. Did they contact you, especially the young lady that played Joy, uh Rachel Eggleston? Did you ever had conversations with them about the original?
1: No, nothing. Nothing. I know, I think that was, I don't know whether that was Sidcraft. I think that was more Marty's idea, wanting to reboot it. I saw a pilot of it, uh, a very quick pilot of it, which uh, somebody uh, sent it to me. Um, But I don't think it had the magic that the original Bugaloos had. And I don't think it was taken up by any of the TV channels but I don't know. That's only what I, what I heard. Well, I think, I don't think they've given up on it though. I don't know. I don't think March given up on it, uh, ch- but I don't know. I,
0: I don't really know. The children's network here, Nickelodeon is the one they were pitching it to right. and they did and they did not buy it because from what I understand, they, like you said, it did not have the magic. It did not no. have the same feel. No. So, so, oh,
1: well, that's interesting. You're confirming, really, what, what I had heard as well. So, yeah, from what I saw, okay, if you're doing a pilot, you're not going to spend a huge amount of money on a wonderful set like we had. Right. Uh, but even so, it, it still, it still didn't, have the, it didn't have the script. It didn't have the same, the same magic. It just didn't have the magic that we, we fortunately did, did have in our program with the setting, the writing, the, the scripts, and, and the songs, of course. But, uh, but yeah, that show not for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Carolyn, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, and for those of you that don't know this, I'm in Western Pennsylvania, south of the city of Pittsburgh. And Carolyn, you are in Spain, correct?
1: That's right. Yes. I'm, I'm in Spain and an island, not on mainland Spain, but in Mallorca, which is uh, which is a lovely island to, to live with my horses. And like you, I understand you've got some orphan cats. I've got some orphan cats here as well. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes, Bring I on. do. Yes, um, I so. know.
1: I know. Well, I did a bit of checking up on you, you see.
0: So, <laughs> oh, so, so, <laughs> so you did, you did I check up
1: on me. But I checked up on you
0: also. <laughs> so, 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 did I? Did I come out okay then? Is that when you, after you got done checking up on me? Well, I'm talking to you, aren't I? Well, Sorry, that's, that's okay. You're, you're right. You're right. So, <laughs> yes, Carolyn,
1: of course, I was very that, impressed. Well,
0: (laughs) thank you very much. I really enjoyed this today. This has been one of those dreams come true that I got to talk to Joy from the Bugaloo's, And I mean, I will just be treasure this forever. Because again, this was a total pleasure. And thank you very much. Well, the
1: pleasure was mine. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bill.
0: Hey, a big thank you goes out to Caroline Ellis for joining me today. What a pleasure that was to talk about the 1970s children's TV series, The Buggaloos, created by Sid and Marty Croft. Once again, she played the character of Joy. So thank you again for joining me, Caroline. And thank you for listening to the program, The Bill Alexander Show. Everybody, you have a great day. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a million-dollar baby production. For more information, go to the BillAlexandershow.com.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.